This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وقالوا ما لهذا الرسول يأكل الطعام ويمشي في الأسواق لولا
قالوا سبحانك ما كان ينبغي لنا أن نتخذ من دونك أن نتخذ من دونك من أولياء ولكن ولكن متعتهم وآباءهم حتى نسذك وكانوا قوما بورا فقد كذبوكم بما تقولون فما تستطيعون صرفا ولا نصرا وَمَن يَظْلِم مِّنكُمْ نُذِقْهُ عَذَابًا كَبِيرًا وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا قَبْلَكَ مِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِلَّا إِلَّا إِنَّهُمْ لَيَأْكُلُونَ الطَّعَامَ وَيَمْشُونَ فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ وَجَعَلْنَا بَعْضَكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ فِتْنَةً أَتَصْبِرُونَ وَكَانَ رَبُّكَ بَصِيرًا صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن اهتدى بهداه وبعد All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Creator of entire creation Blessings and salutations be upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The best of all creation May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless him and grant him a complete reward for having worked in a manner that has ensured that the message has got to us. Obviously, he was the best of creation. We need to constantly send durood upon him, not for his benefit, but for ours. Because the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has stated, مَنْ صَلَّى عَلَيَّ وَاحِدًا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ بِهَا عَشْرًا Whosoever sends durood upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once, Allah blesses them similarly in return tenfold, ten times. So it is for us that we say, Sallallahu ala Muhammad, Sallallahu ala Nabina Muhammad. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all his companions, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. May he protect the ulama of this ummah, and may he unite this ummah and grant us love between ourselves, so that we can actually see the essence of the entire ummah through the love of this deen. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all protection. May He protect us as well as our offspring. May He keep us and our offspring on deen until the day of Qiyamah. To the degree that when Isa alayhi salam descends into this earth very soon, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our offspring who may be alive at the time from His army and not from the opposition. Amen. Honored ulama, beloved brothers, dearest listeners, I have chosen today to speak about the challenges facing the Muslim youth and the Muslim Ummah at large. Possibly we will go into very few aspects, seeing that there are, there are time limitations. The intention of myself is solely, inshallah, for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order for myself to improve. In order for myself to improve, inshallah. 
And I hope and I pray that everyone can have a similar intention. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all upliftment. Indeed, every single one of us knows that shaitan works day and night. We have read our salah here, mashallah. May Allah accept it with jama'ah. Shaitan is so jealous of someone who has read salah that shaitan tries to make sure that before they leave the door of the masjid, the reward of the salah is already gone. How? Because sometimes we utter one bad statement of ghibah before we walk out. Sometimes we utter one bad word against someone, backbiting or what have you, before we walk out, so what happens is the reward of our salah is taken and given to that person. It happens. <coughs> Al-Hasan al-Basri, rahmatullahi alayhi, when he used to hear that someone was talking against him, he knew that that was a gift. So what he used to do is he used to take a little plate of date, he used to close it, write a note there to say, you gave me a gift, so I'm giving you a gift in return, and sends it to them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding, we don't want to give our salah away. If you look at Ma'arif al-Qur'an, it is a book of tafsir written by one of our own Akabirin Mufti Shafisa, where he translates the verses where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَن جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ فَلَهُ عَشْرُ أَمْثَالِهَا Whosoever comes with a good deed, that good deed shall be multiplied tenfold. He has written something so interesting, so interesting. He says Allah has used the words whoever comes with goodness, not whoever does goodness. In Arabic, man fa'ala hasanatan or man amila hasanatan means whoever does the good deed. But here Allah says whoever comes with the good deed, man ja'a bil hasana, comes when? On the day of Qiyamah. So if someone can do a good deed and protect it until the day of Qiyamah, then to protect that deed up to the day of Qiyamah is ten times more difficult than to do the deed. For that reason Allah says, I'm going to multiply it ten times. If you succeeded to come with it intact on the day of Qiyamah, and it is still next to your name. What is meant by this is that for us to fulfill Salah is quite much simpler than for us to protect it after that and ensure that we have not given it as a gift to someone else whom we might have wronged. So this is what we need to realize. Shaitan's power will not affect us if we seek the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are conscious that shaitan is trying to mess us up. If we are conscious all the time, like for example someone tells you, you know what, an enemy is preparing to attack you from that direction. Every little while you will look at that direction. Because you know that if there is an enemy coming from that direction, I better not be looking at the other direction. They might pounce on me whilst I'm looking at the other direction and maybe I might lose. So I better look at that direction so I can be well equipped to retaliate if I'm attacked. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. In the same way, shaitan is waiting for us. Shaitan says it in the Quran very loud and clear. Shaitan tells Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to attack, I'm going to attack them from the front, from the back, from the right side, from the left side. In fact, going further from the top and the bottom also. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us protection. Wallahi, without the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we stand no chance next to shaitan. We need to always make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught us, A'udhu billahi min shaytanir rajim. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us protection. I seek refuge in Allah from shaitan, the accursed, the condemned. Where did we learn that from? From the Quran. 
وإما ينزغنك من الشيطان نكون فاستعد بالله Whenever we feel shaitan trying to tackle us, trying to use his whispers against us, immediately we should do what? Seek Allah's protection firstly. Because if Allah protects us, shaitan cannot do anything. So the reason why I am starting in this manner is every one of us wants to be better. I want to be better. Wallahi thumma wallah. Every single one of us, deep down in our heart, we know that we'd like to be better people. But the only way we are going to be better is if we do something about it. There is no point in saying, I want to be better, I want to be better. And sit with the tasbih and start saying that a hundred times, it's not going to help me. I need to do something about it. Okay, I want to be better. So let me ask myself, what have I done for me to become better? Did I change the way I speak to people? Did I change my attitude? Did I change my mindset? Is my heart becoming cleaner or dirtier? I need to ask myself. And sometimes we cannot achieve that just like that, by sitting at home. Like when you want to achieve a degree or you want to achieve some education, you either need to go to school to do something about it, then you will learn, or you either need to get to and start and arrange some private lessons, or you either need to go onto the internet and join an online class, but you need to do something if you want to achieve knowledge. So the same applies if you would like to achieve some form of goodness, and if I want to improve and you want to improve, we need to do something to improve, and that is... Come to the masjid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. See the ulama in your midst. Allah has placed them there for a reason. Allah knows which community I was going to be born in, which community you were going to be born in, and Allah has chosen certain ulama who will be in that community as a test for me and you. What was my relationship with the ulama who were right in my midst? Allah is going to ask me. So, as I have said in the past, Sometimes we sit and we wait for someone to come from outside, thousands of kilometers away. Oh, mashallah, they've come, let's go for the talk. Alhamdulillah, it's okay. But that talk will not help us if we do not have a relationship with our own local ulama. What is the point of listening to a... In fact, if you take a look at medicine, and I've given this example in the past, if you take a look at medicine, the specialist who might be at a distance will not even look at you if you don't have a referral letter from a GP. And where would the GP be? You would be foolish if you had a GP in Burnley whilst you are living in Blackburn. You would be foolish. Why? Because when you have a sudden problem, you've got to run somewhere which is about maybe 15 miles away. For what? You'd rather have someone right nearby. The same applies. We Islamically have sickness in the sense that we would like to cure ourselves more and more. Everyone. We want to improve every day. We cannot sit with one little thing and say, right, I'm happy with my level of deen. No way. This deen is a struggle from the beginning to the end. There is room for improvement for those who think they are pious as well as those who know that they are not. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all feel that, there is, that we always have room for improvement. Because if anyone thinks, oh, now I have arrived at a level where I don't need to improve, then that means shaitan has got hold of them very, very tight. Very tight. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So, I understand that for my medical health, I need to have a doctor near me, and that doctor will tell me who exactly I can be referred to, what type of a sickness I have. Is it to do with my ears, my nose? If that's the case, he will refer me to an ENT. If it's to do with my heart, maybe a cardiologist. If it's to do with something else, maybe a different type of a specialist and so on. The same applies. When we develop a link with the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and when we have a link with the ulama around us, 
There are so many. We need to understand. Select someone who, who, who can understand you, approachable, you can talk to. And don't think, you know, I have heard this in the past. Some of the youngsters say, you know, the ulama are un- inapproachable or unapproachable. We can't approach them. There is a big gap between us and them. And my question is, but did you try to approach them? That's the question. Did you try to say something? Maybe he's a serious person because that is how it is. We are not taught to be laughing and not all islands will be laughing and joking all the time because sometimes it can reduce your respect. Too much laughter can reduce your respect. So not everyone will be like that. Maybe you might find some who might be more jocular with you because maybe they might have a different type of an understanding or, or a different approach altogether. But try those who might seemingly be stern. Wallahi, when you talk to them, you will find, inshallah, fountains of knowledge, inshallah. You know, when you, when you want to dig a bowl, you cannot just sit and look at the ground and start thinking, right, there's water here, but I can't get to it. No, you've got to drill first, then the water will come out. It will come out gushing. So the same applies. When you want to approach an island, don't just say they are inapproachable. You need to first go and try and talk to them, then you will find that, inshallah, they will, they will be more than willing to assist, inshallah. So, we should not allow shaitan to make us lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We always need to be in the watch of shaitan. I tell you, each one of us has three issues, three items within us. We have a soul. We have that soul of ours, right? We have, on one hand, the malak, the angel on one hand, and the qareen on the other hand. Qareen is like a shaitan on the other side. A shaitan. Every time there is something good that is to be done, Something inside us says, do it. And sometimes, something inside us says, don't do it. Say for example, I need to get up for Salatul Fajr. And here obviously we are addressing more the youth, but the message is for myself as well. Say we want to get up for Salatul Fajr and now it is a cold day and maybe our radiators are not working, we are freezing and this blanket is now over us and we are feeling massaged by shaitan at that moment of the morning, you know. And then what happens is, Something tells us, nah, the water is too cold, man. Relax, stay in there. Don't worry, five more minutes, five more minutes. You know, that the, the bell has run. My intention is to get up, but five more minutes. That is shaitan. That is the devilish force. And something in us is saying, no, don't do this. Come on. It's salatul fajr. Raka'atan fajri. Khayrun minat dunya wa ma fiha. The two sunnah of faraj, of, of, of fajr. The faraj, meaning before the faraj. The two sunnah of fajr, before the faraj, the hadith says there reward is better than the whole dunya and what is in it. So what do you think the reward of the farad is? Imagine if this is the fadila of the two sunnah before fajr, better than the whole dunya and what it, what it has. Listen to the hadith. رَكْعَتَا الْفَجْرِ خَيْرٌ مِّنَ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا عَلَيْهَا أَوْ وَمَا فِيهَا The two sunnah prior to the farad of fajr is better than the entire dunya and what it has. So imagine if that is the reward of the sunnah, what about the farah? Subhanallah. So now, shaitan knows, I cannot allow this banda, I cannot allow this worshipper to start his day or her day correctly. Let me spoil it. So shaitan comes and says, no, don't worry, five more minutes, five more minutes. Then by that time, you switch off your clock, now you say, oh, in the masjid salah is over. Now five more minutes, it's okay. Now shaitan has continued. We, we gave him a finger, he's taking the whole hand. We gave him a finger, he's taking the whole hand, as goes the same. So, what we need to do is, if we allow, for example, this satanic force to win once, you see there is a fight in us, something is saying go for the salah or read the salah, and something is saying don't read it. If we read it, who won the battle, the angel or the devil? The angel. And if we don't read it, who won the battle, the devil or the angel? 
The devil. If the devil wins the bout, just for a moment, think of Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. For one moment. The two are fighting. Suddenly, Mike Tyson wins. Now they want a rematch. When they want a rematch, what would happen? Who would probably win? The one who's holding the title, isn't it? And if Mike Tyson wins a second time, the third time, who's more likely to win? Him again. And the fourth time, him again. But if he loses once, twice, thrice, four times, then Holyfield will become so big and so large that now no one will even come to watch the fight because they know that it's Holyfield who's going to win all the time. So we have that boxing bout in ourselves every day for everything that we do. One night someone is telling us or something is telling us, the angel is telling us, do this good and the Satan is telling us, don't do it. And on one side, the, the, the angel is telling us, don't do this bad and the devil is telling us, do it. It is up to us now who is in the middle to decide whom we want to allow to win. If you allow the angel to win one time, then the angel will be holding the heavyweight title. If the angel holds the heavyweight title one time, the next time who is more likely to win? The angel. The angel, because we won once already, is more, it will be easier. Once you make an intention, I'm going for Fajr, you did it once, the next time it's easier. You did it for 40 days in a row. Imagine 40 bouts they fought. The angel won for 40 days in a row. Now shaitan is insignificant in you. This is how you build your spirituality. But if you allow shaitan to win once, the next day it's going to be easier for you to sleep. You see? If you allow shaitan to win the second time, it will be more easy until there will come a time when you will not get up for fajr and you won't even bat an eyelid, meaning it won't affect you. Because now the spiritual levels are so low that our iman is at stake. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not do that to us. The same applies to haram. Say for example adultery, or for example alcohol, the, the, the taking of alcohol, or for example drug abuse or drug taking. If a person does it once, there will be a feeling of regret. That's the flicker of Iman. May Allah protect us. But who won the battle? The devil won the battle. But if the friends, for example, are saying, come on, and it's only one little thing, come on, drink. And they say, no, listen, it's totally haram. And you know what? I'm changing my friendship because it's very bad. I can't be befriend you people. Every time you're calling me towards bad, no, I don't want. You go away. Who won the battle? The angel won the battle. And now when the angel won once, next time you see it, you're going to say, what? I don't even want to talk to you. Go. You are gone. Who wants the angel again? Then you get into good company, subhanAllah. When you get into good company, if the thought of alcohol comes into your mind, it's gone. Why? Because you don't entertain the thought. But if you've drunk it once, and you've continued in the company twice and thrice, you might become an addict. That's what addiction is. Addiction is when you've allowed shaitan to overtake you to the degree that now he's your boss. So we are here and we need to realize there is a battle going on. A person becomes spiritually higher when they allow, when they fight their nafs. Fighting their nafs meaning this, you see, to follow what is bad is far easier than to follow what is good. I tell you why. Because everything bad, normally a person, when they are not allowed to do something, sometimes shaitan begins to beautify. That's what the Quran says. Zuyna Shaitan has definitely made it very, very beautiful for man. What? Immorality. Shaitan makes it beautiful. Immorality and evil. And the verse continues. And the love of wealth and so on and so forth. So, if Shaitan is beautifying something, it will be far easier for us to look at it and to come to it and to say, you know what, let me engage in this. But try abstaining. Wallahi, the sweetness that we get from abstaining from haram, we cannot describe it.
We cannot describe it. When a person has been engaged in something wrong for many, many years, and then they find one day that, you know what, I'm leaving it for the sake of Allah, here and now, and they make a'lan of their job, for example, sometimes they might even tell some, the, the maulana or someone they are close to, that from this day on, I'm not going to commit this sin again, and then you find them in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will taste the sweetness far greater than anyone can imagine. That is why those who were non-Muslims before, and they have seen kufr, and they have engaged in every sin that they could have. Then Allah gives them hidayah to Islam. At times, they appreciate Islam more than us who were born Muslim. Sometimes it happens. Why? They know that you're getting nothing out of sinning. Why are you sinning? For what? I have got nothing out of it. In fact, it increases your tension and your stress and your depression. So we need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us. And together with making dua, we need to physically make sure that we are not found in areas where haram is taking place. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us protection. So, this is the battle. This is what is happening. Now, the challenges that are faced by myself and yourself in our day-to-day lives are all connected to this battle that takes place within us. And it is up to us to come to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because when we come to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will develop a link with the Creator and it will help us to abstain from haram. The Quran says, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Definitely, Salah itself prohibits evil and immorality. Or immorality and evil. Salah itself will keep immorality away and evil away. So, when we read our Salah, and as many folk within the masjid, inshallah, when we read our Salah on a regular basis, it is a sign that Allah loves us. Why do I say this? Let me give you a simple example. You know, in the Quran, Allah says, وَيَضْرِبُ اللَّهُ لِلْنَاسِ الْأَمْثَالِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes to give examples so that people can understand. So we are taught by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to give so many parables, so many examples. So we give examples, our examples are very minute, they are for our brain. But the examples of the Quran and Hadith are very high. Let me give you a simple example for me and you to understand. If you take a look at myself or yourselves, can I just pick up anyone whom I don't know off the street and say, you know what, brother or sister, you know what, I'm inviting you to my house. Come and have a meal. They look at me and say, this man is mad, man. What are you talking about? Do I know you? What's your name? Where are you from? They probably just look at you, give you a dirty look and walk away. That's what would happen. Because there's no contact between you two. How can I invite you to the house? Or, for example, if someone comes and knocks your door and you open it and they say, you know what, you know what, can I come in? Can I come in and have a cup of tea? You can look at them and say, what the heck is this person on about? You might phone the doctor and say, hey, there's a psychiatric patient this side here, and I think you need to deal with them. Someone's lost here, you know? That's what will happen. Why? There's no need, no bonds, nothing. I don't have a relationship with this person. They don't have with me. I don't know them. Then, if I know someone a little bit, listen to this carefully. If I know someone a little bit, and what I know about them is very bad, will I allow them to come into my house? No, I won't. I know this person, every day they speak bad Every day they do bad, every day this is what they are doing. I won't allow it. Or we won't have a link at all. And the day they are in need, would I help them? Not necessarily. Meaning, unless Allah has granted me a heart, and Allah grants us all those hearts where we can even help our enemies. You know, I read something very, very, in fact, I was told by one of my own ustad that one of the highest levels of tasawwuf, tasawwuf is obviously an entire field which which is definitely something that we all need to learn about and engage in and understand. 
it, it is connected to the internal purity of a human being. One of the highest levels of tasawwuf is when someone does bad against you. Either they spread rumor about you, they make difficulties in your life and so on, and in turn, you give out a sadaqah on their behalf every day. 10 pence, 20 pence, 50p, 1 pound, whatever you can. You say, Ya Allah, my worst enemy is A, B, C, D. Ya Allah, this is on their behalf. You give out a charity on behalf of who? Your biggest enemy. Why? That is a good act on their behalf. There is a possibility through that good act, if it is accepted on their behalf, it may soften their heart. This is one of the highest levels. We ask Allah to get us on that or close to that. It's not difficult to practice it. Then when you see them, your heart will just be at ease. You'll be smiling because you know, my life is being made difficult from this angle. But the truth of the matter is, on the day of Qiyamah, they'll see that I've done so much good for them, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala soften our hearts. This is how mu'mineen should be thinking. So, I was saying, you would not allow someone to come into your house unless you had a link with them. Now let me give you another example. If I had my best friend, they could come into my house anytime. Even if I'm not there sometimes, depending on how close they are and the relationship I have with them, sometimes a relative possibly, they can walk into the house even at meal time. And I won't say, I won't say, hey, you know what, sorry, we're not available right now. Like what happens sometimes, the jamaat parties come to the door, and the papa sends the little child to say, you know what, tell them papa is not there. So what happens is, the little child goes back to the door and says, my daddy told me to come to the door and tell you that he's not here. <laughs> the whole story is told. Allah Akbar. It happens. Believe me, it happens. So, instead of that type of an attitude, when we have a heart, we know these people, who really we want to assist, and we have a solid relationship, we tell them, brother, even at two in the morning, don't hesitate, come to my house. Anything you need, anything, anytime. I'm sure we've heard that statement from some of our close friends. They'll tell you anything, anytime. Give me a buzz, here's my number. Now, the example I'm telling you is the house of Allah. We understand this regarding my house and your house, that I can only come if I'm close to you. That is why I say when we come to the house of Allah, it is a sign that we are close to Allah and Allah is close to me because this belongs to Him. This house belongs to Allah. So if Allah puts it in your heart, to come to his house, it means he loves you and it means there is love in your heart for him. That's it. Was anyone standing outside with a danda, with a stick, saying, right, let's go to the masjid, come on. No one did that. We came ourselves. Why did we come? We wanted to put our heads and noses on the ground for Allah's sake. That's a sign that Allah loves us and we love Allah. The more we come, the bigger the relationship. Let's understand that. The more we come, the grander the relationship between me and Allah, you and Allah. So that is why those who don't come to the houses of Allah, it's dangerous. Because why? It means that they don't have a link with their own creator. Their own creator. You know when someone tells you anything, anytime, you can phone them when you are stuck on the highway and they'll probably drive out to you. I hope we don't have the hypocritical anything, anytime way. When you phone them at two in the morning, they say, oh, this is the number, no, no, just... Put it on silence, don't worry. And then they put it on silence, next thing they switch it off, and then you, they, they give you big, big answers. We don't want that. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's not what happens. But someone would drive out for you at 2 in the morning because you, they said to you anything, anytime, and you actually made use of that. So that means when we develop a link with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we are suffering at 2 in the morning, Allah will come to our assistance. Man atani yamshi ataituhu halwala. The hadith qudsi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us through the Mubarak lips of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whoever comes to me walking, I will come to him rushing. 
rushing. Allah comes to us faster than we go to Him. Yet, He does not need us, we need Him. So, my call to myself and then to everyone else is, let us try our best to understand. When we come to the masjid, we are doing a favor to ourselves. Wallahi thumma wallah. Tomorrow when we are in need, Allah will open the door. Instead of phoning someone at 2 in the morning to come for your assistance, the man behind you was a Muslim, he watched everything and he stopped and he helped you and you got assistance within 5 minutes. Subhanallah. Not realizing it was Allah who knew that you were going to get stuck, so it was in the takbir that there was going to be someone behind you who was going to help you immediately. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. So, we don't realize these things, but the development of the link with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make us realize these things. So that is why those who come to the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is a sign of taqwa, it is a sign of goodness. When we don't come, it may well be that it is a sign of rejection. It is a sign of rejection. Maybe Allah does not like something. And maybe he rejected us. Like I mentioned today earlier in, a, in another lecture, sometimes we hear and we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Whomsoever Allah has misguided, no one can guide them. If Allah has misguided someone, the whole world can turn blue in their faces trying to convince them what is right and wrong, they will not get it. So now some of the youngsters come and say, yeah, well, you know what, if misguidance is written for me, it's written for me, let me carry on and do what I want to do. No, that's foolish. That's foolish. Who does Allah write guidance for? I tell you, there's an answer in the Quran. Allah says, no, it's not like I don't write guidance. I write guidance for those who want it. وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلَنَا Those who struggle and strive to earn our pleasure in one way or another, we will open the doors of guidance for them. We will guide them towards the right path. So, if I want guidance, I need to make sure that I don't only make a dua, Ya Allah, guide me, guide me, but on top of that, I get up and I go to the masjid, I go to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then I will achieve something, inshallah. Like the sisters who may be seated at home. There's no point in saying, you know what, mashallah, we need knowledge, you know, we need to learn. Put on your receiver, for example. Put it on, sit by it. What does it cost you? Sometimes you can bring it into the kitchen and you can turn it on. Whilst you're doing something, you can listen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all understanding. So, foolish is the one who thinks that knowledge is something that will just be plopped into our head from the sky and then we'll suddenly be knowledgeable people. No. Or, hidayah is something that just plugs into the ear. No. That's not what it is. We need to try and Allah will give us. Without trying, there's no giving. A person cannot sit and say, Ya Allah, give me rosy, give me sustenance, give me sustenance, Ya Allah, give me sustenance, and you're lying under your blanket. That sustenance won't come to you. And then people blame taqdeer. They say, well, taqdeer ma la khelu No. Umar ibn al-Khattab, there was a thief who was brought to him and they wanted to cut his hand, a clever thief. So the clever thief says, Ya Umar, you know, you believe in taqdeer and so do I. So it was in the taqdeer that I was going to steal. Why do you want to cut my hand now? So Umar ibn al-Khattab, he knew he was one sharper. He says, well, it was in your taqdeer that we were going to cut your hand, so bring the knife. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. This is something we must understand. We don't blame taqdeer for everything. We need to try. We need to try. So hidayah will come when we try, inshallah. So these are the main issues, the main, in fact, the core when it comes to ourselves, how we can develop. We can develop if we want to develop. And if we do something about development, inshallah. Nowadays you have something extremely important that we need to look into, and that is the friendship and the company I keep and you keep. 
Company makes you operate you. يُعْرَفُ الْمَرْءُ بِخَلِيلِهِ فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَحَدُكُمْ مَنْ يُخَالِهِ A person is known by the type of friends he or she keeps. Make sure you vet your friends before allowing them into your circle. Imagine. Make sure you vet your friends before allowing them into your circle. Vetting meaning when you want, you know, we think, subhanallah, it's amazing. For dunya we can do anything sometimes. But we don't realize for deen, which is more important, we fail. When you have a, a shop, you want to employ someone at your business, you have interviews. Interviews. You will interview everybody and you will take who? The best. Right or wrong? For what? For a shop of yours. Which will last a little while where you will probably achieve a little bit. What about your whole akhirah? هَلْ أَدُلُّكُمْ عَلَىٰ تِجَارَةٍ تُنْجِيكُمْ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Allah calls it a business. He calls it tijara. Can I show you a tijara which will save you from punishment? Allah is telling us. So that tijara which will lead us to the akhirah. There we don't want to take interviews. Wallahi, you are rightfully correct if you want to interview people before you allow them to become your friend. It wouldn't be that. Because I tell you the verses I read before you here, just after those verses, at the beginning of the 19th part of the Quran, out of 30 parts, the 19th part of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the oppressors. And Allah says, those who have oppressed, who will they blame? They will blame their friends. They're going to say, oh, Ya Allah, you know what, my friends were bad. They say, ah, the friends are not going to be able to do anything on that day, they'll all be in the fire. May Allah protect us. So Allah says, وَيَوْمَ يَعَضُّ الظَّالِمُ عَلَىٰ يَدَيْهِ يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِ اتَّخَذُ مَعَ الرَّسُولِ سَبِيلًا يَا وَيْلَتَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ أَتَّخِذْ فُلَانًا خَلِيلًا لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِلْإِنسَانِ خَذُولًا الله says on that day of قيامه the oppressors who will now be heading towards Jahannam will literally be so regretful that they will put their hands in their mouths. They won't have any speech to say. Put their hands in their mouths. Blaming who? Ya Allah! Oh, you know, we should have really chosen the, the path of the messenger. We should have chosen the path of the righteous. Ya Allah! And the verse continues to say, Oh, I wish I didn't have that man as a friend. He led me astray. I wish I didn't have that person as a friend. It was him who was responsible for my deviance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. We are happy, we are fortunate that we are listening to the verse. We are listening to the verse. So we should not fail. Remember your friend make you oppress you. You know, I have had the opportunity to sit with people who smoke. People who smoke. 90% of them tell you we are smoking because our friends were smoking. But even the old people, I've asked a lot of them. I said, look, I just want to know my own research. I'd like you, you to tell me, why are you smoking? What, how did you start? They say, well, when we were small, everyone was smoking and we started. So, they didn't want to, but their friends were doing it, they did it. If you ask those on drugs, they'll tell you, well, you know what, that was the in thing. So, we were doing it. I'm honest with you, I have done it. You, if you know people, go and ask them a question. To say, look, just for our interest, for purposes of research, we want to ask you, how did it start? They'll tell you, 90% of the time, they'll say, it was our friends. Even those who are engaged in alcohol abuse, meaning those who are drinking alcohol, they will tell you what it was our friend. So your friend, those who are coming to the masjid regularly, you will find that it was someone somehow, somewhere, who actually prodded them to come in. That's why we have, when there are youngsters, sometimes you find a team of youngsters coming together. When there's a program, one calls the other, hey, where is this program? 
Yes, when there is haram to be committed, like I know in my part of the world, when there are nightclubs, may Allah protect our offspring from that. May Allah protect the Muslim ummah and the youth from that. When there are nightclubs, you find the same way in Ramadan, during the month of Ramadan, in the evening, there are some children who are following each other to say, which masjid are we going to? And there are other children who are also connected to Islam, who call themselves Muslims, and for all practical purposes, in our eyes, they are Muslims, phoning each other saying, which nightclub are we heading to tonight? Allah is happening. These are the two, the two forces that we are speaking about. So, we need to understand, these ones are going in that direction because of their friends. And those ones are heading in that direction because of their friends. Because of the company. So, it's up to you to keep the best of company. Do you know that your company, over a period of time, can change your whole thinking completely? Completely. Your company. Every day they say one word, one word, two words, one word, two words. Now, you start hating people, not because that person is bad, because of your company. You start causing problems, not because you are a troublemaker, but because of your company. So this is why Rasulullah warns us so much about company. My dear youth who are seated here today. If we, and even the message is for myself and for everyone else. If we would like really to take positive steps to improving ourselves, start asking yourself, who are my friends? What type of friends do I have? What habits do they have? What statements do they make? Subhanallah. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَكُونُوا مَعَ الصَّادِقِينَ Oh, you who believe, be conscious of the presence of your Creator at all times and make sure that you are only in the company of the truthful and the good and the pious. So now, sometimes there are clever youth. Youth, they always have questions. Alhamdulillah, it's good. It's good to ask. I'm not saying don't ask. But sometimes they'll ask, they say, you know what? Now, I'm a good person. Sometimes they tell you, I'm a good person. So, my friends are telling me that they are in good company. But they are all bad people. So, who's in good company and who's bad? Now, they always ask questions like this. So, one person is good, five people are bad. So, this one is asking you, am I in good company or are they in bad company? Or am I in bad company or are they in good company? How do I know the difference? It's very easy. There is a test. A litmus test. What is that test? Ask yourself, if their bad qualities are brushing off onto me, then I am in bad company. And if my good qualities are brushing off onto them, then they are in good company. Very easy. So if I find one or two of my Islamic values being lost, then I need to change my company. And if I find, alhamdulillah, those who never used to come to the masjid started, for example, I'm using the example of the masjid because wallahi, the hadith says, As-salatu imadu al-deen. فَمَنْ أَقَامَهَا فَقَدْ أَقَامَ الدِّينِ وَمَنْ هَدَمَهَا فَقَدْ هَدَمَ الدِّينِ We've heard that hadith, I'm sure, so many times. Salah is the founding pillar, the foundation of this deen. If you are to read it, the rest of deen will be made easy for you. You will be able to build on it. You will be able to build the rest of your deen. In fact, you've built it already, if you read Salah correctly. And if you've dropped that founding pillar, or if you've not had a foundation, then you are wasting your time. Why? Because then the whole deen has been dropped by the dropping of Salah. That's what the hadith says. So that is why we are speaking of the masjid. So for example, if those people have to be drawn to the masjid after they were not coming to the masjid, then inshallah they are in good company. So this is something we need to understand. As we grow up, there is another issue. One is the issue of company. The second issue is the issue of character and conduct. It's very, very important. Today's sickness, the sickness of the ages, people could not care too good about how they say, what they say, to whom they say, when they say it. They, they couldn't even bother. They think, oh, you know, now I'm a rich man. 
I've got whatever I wanted, or even if they're not rich, they say, I'm not dependent, I don't need this guy, let me just talk to him how I want. No. That is the bond of brotherhood of deen prohibits that. Wallahi, that is your Muslim brother. To hurt the heart of a Muslim brother, Wallahi, we will have to give an answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah. What answer am I going to give you, Allah, when I didn't need him? Subhanallah. That's not how it is. So we need to talk to each other with a smile, speak properly. We've heard this hadith, I'm sure, so many times. To smile at the face of your fellow Muslim is a sadaqa. You know what is the meaning of a sadaqa? When you give out money, it's called sadaqa. So this is like a monetary act of worship. Amazing. Because a smile is priceless. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. So it is important we build ourselves, be helpful. Don't be lazy. Those who are young, we need to learn how to be helpful, how to be courageous, how to, how to respect those who are adults. Wallahi, those youth, and believe me, I have marked it, I have seen it, I have read it in some of the kitabs of some of our ulama, where they say that in the madrasa years, they already know, our buzruk used to know already from madrasa years that this person is going to be someone, inshallah, in deen, champion of deen. Why? Because they always respected their ustad, and they always spoke correctly, and they respected everyone else. From that time you can see that there is a seed which is sown, which is that of an apple tree. So what will grow? Apples that everyone will benefit from, inshallah. But when we sow a seed of thorn and cactus, what will happen? We are going to get the cactus plant, which will grow, which will prick everybody. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So, from a very young age, it's important that we learn to respect our adults, to speak properly, not to be unruly. Today there is a new trend, and very sadly, very unfortunately, I would say it stems from the television. I would say it stems from the TV program. Big brother and small sister and those type of programs which are very, very dangerous. What they are trying to do, to be honest, is to try and let everyone watch certain people living very, very inhumanely, for example, or un-Islamically. And everyone's level must then look at that and say, that is the norm, this is how we'd like to live. So they'd actually come to that level. In fact, from up there, people would come down there. This is what is happening in the world. A lot of the television programs that, that, that take place, not only in this country, but everywhere, that people follow religiously, meaning, you know what, Namaz can be going, but they say, no, no, my program is here. Sometimes you find older people also doing the same thing. That you find that my program is, must not go. Never mind, Namaz to Allah has given us one hour to read it. I'll read it later on. You don't have to go to the masjid. Look at the big fatwas they begin to issue. Why? One small program watching five, six girls and boys laughing at each other and acting, acting, playing, you know. Sometimes what beats me is you see a little shooting in, in a movie where someone dies and I've seen people crying, tears. And you start thinking, that is tomato sauce, my dear. <laughs> that is ketchup. They've been paid for it. They were laughing about it, man. And you are busy crying here as though you are part and parcel of it. Yet when they did it, they were literally laughing. Allahu Akbar. And the mu'mineen, the believers in Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, cannot cry because of the verses of the Quran, but they can cry because of tomato sauce. <laughs> this is what's going on in the Muslim ummah. Now where are we heading if that's the case? So this thing here is leading us far astray. We are watching people who are acting in a way that they themselves don't live. And we begin to live in a way... In a way that we watch their actions and if they were to watch us, they tell us, hey, you know what, even in our lives, we're not that bad. This was only an act. This is where, this is what's happening today. So it's very important we realize what we look at. What we look at will actually affect our mind. This is why the Prophet speaks about the opposite sex. If you happen to look, look down as soon as possible. Why? The longer you look, the longer it's going to take for that thing to come out of your head. 
And the longer it takes for it to come out of your head, the less you will be able to concentrate in your ibadah. The less you will be able to concentrate in your ibadah. So, it is up to us. We need to decide what we would like to do. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really use us to benefit this ummah. You see, what happens sometimes very sadly is time flies. Time flies. But inshallah, I hope that what I've said here, though we were just warming up, I hope what I've said here has actually been of benefit to myself and yourselves. We've touched on a few issues which are the basics. The basics. We have not gone into the details. I spoke about how shaitan tries to attack us and how we need to be on the lookout. And how the battle takes place in ourselves and how it's up to us to allow one to win or the other. And how we need to make sure that we are in the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What a beautiful masjid. It's going to talk on the day of Qiyamah. You know where we put our heads on the ground? This place will bear witness with our name and surname to say, you know what, name and your father's name. This person put their head on sujood here. You see? So now imagine the masjid was in our locality. We were living right next door, down the street. We've never been here. Come at least for salah so that the ground can bear witness on the day of Qiyamah. Ya Allah, this man might have had other witnesses. But Ya Allah, don't punish this person because he put his head on the ground for you five times a day. He put his head on the ground for you five times a day. There is a chance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us through his mercy. So the choices are ours. And we need to realize that we must develop a link with the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I also touched on the company that we keep. And I also touched on character and conduct very briefly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. I noticed that there are some slightly older people in this particular gathering. And what I'd like to say is, inshallah, we need to realize, we need to understand that we are dealing with a new type of a globe, a new type of a world. There are new problems today. You know, 40, 50 years ago, the problems that were being faced by the communities were slightly different. Today, we have new problems. I cannot pick up a stick and beat my child. I cannot do that. Simply, I can't. So, that means that the young ulama and the elderly ulama are thinking up methods of how to keep our children in track, bearing in mind the laws around us. So, that is why the older generation need to understand that sometimes there will be a new type of a solution for a problem that is old because of new laws and because of a new generation. So sometimes, a long time ago, when someone did not come for salah, you could say, hey, come here, give them two sticks and say, no, and they'd go straight. They'd run, you know, immediately to the masjid before you. they say, if I don't see you there, watch out. When you come back, you're getting two more shots. That was enough. Today you can't do that. So what you're going to do? You've got to make the masjid a center of attraction. If you visit the United States of America, you will find every masjid has a football club. Every masjid has some form of sporting activity. Some form. Why? Because what the youngsters do, they say, oh, dad, we're going for football. So they go to the big field. When they go to the big field under no supervision, that's where they meet the druggies. That's where they meet the alcoholics. That's where they meet the girls and the others. And that's where everything happens. And the, the, sometimes we feel that, oh, you know what? They've gone for sport. They've not gone for sport. They are, the shaitan will, will tackle them there. But if they come to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sitting somewhere nearby, something arranged by the masjid, possibly that one team from this masjid can play another team from another masjid and we can arrange some of these social activities. I would not like this 40 years ago. But today I've got no choice. I, I have no choice but to do that. Because if I don't, I'm going to lose my children. They are not interested in coming to the masjid because I'm not allowed to even shout them. 
If I shock them and they feel emotionally hurt, then they might just, you know, make life difficult for everybody. And we might lose them totally. So, wallahi, there is a responsibility, my dear adults, upon us to allow the authorities and to allow the ulama to think up solutions within the limits of the sharia. We might suddenly see people who will come to the masjid and they might be coming to the masjid to play or to meet or to have, for example, an outing. So they say, look, the bus will come here to the masjid at, at this time here, straight after Salat al-Zuhr, we're all going to leave. We're going to, for example, Burnley and we're going to have a, a match there and we're going to come back. We'll read Salat al-Asr back in this particular masjid. Alhamdulillah. Now, we cannot complain to say, now look, they've converted the masjid into a football pitch. No, they haven't. But there is a, there is a problem. We are going to lose, in fact, we may have already lost part of a certain generation. And in order to regain them, we need to think up ideas. Let's make it interesting. Let's have something, some form of activity, inshallah. This is how we will draw the youth to the masajid, inshallah. And obviously, we are not saying that anything un-Islamic should happen. No, the ulama know the limits of Islam. So within those limits, they will then guide the others as to what to do and what not to do. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those who can think up ideas within the limits of Sharia to bring our youth, boys and girls, within Islam, inshallah. You know, this is a battle. It's a battle for myself and yourselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask me, I place responsibility on you regarding your own children. What did you do? Ya Oh, you who believe, save yourselves and your children from the fire. How did you save them from the fire? You know, I was shocked and surprised. I'm not saying this should happen here. But I went to one community, without taking names, I went to one community. And I found at, in that community that they had arranged, some members of that masjid had arranged that, you know what, we are all going to go together to watch the World Cup. SubhanAllah. And I was shocked because for me it was new. For me it was new. I said, MashaAllah, the Maulana is going to watch World Cup with all these children here. I wonder what it is. I didn't understand it. I, it didn't make sense to me. Then I said, look, what's happening? What's all this about? Then they sat me down afterwards. They said, Molana, you know what's happening? They have little cliques. They're going to each other's houses. They're committing dinner with the, with the girls there. And at the same time, they're drinking alcohol and drugs and they're doing so much haram, our children. So we sat and sat and sat and we had no solution, but we said, let's go and we will hire out a big screen and make sure that our boys, our youngsters, do not mix with other people. They must come and see here. Watch the football match. After that, we make a little ta'aleem. I was shocked. To me, it's new. I didn't know about it. And inshallah, our community here has not got to that level. Inshallah. And I hope we don't get to that. But a time might come when you find children going far. They'll go to the house of the drug lord in order to watch something. To watch football. You, you'd rather let them have them in a, in a place that where you can actually have your hands on to them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant this ummah savior. Wallahi, we are moving through tough times. Al-qabidu ala deenihi kal-qabidu ala jam. The hadith says there will come a time when a person holding, step, holding fast on the deen will be similar to the one holding a red rock. A red rock, hot coal, piece of coal. That's where we have come. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us more guidance. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us really everything away. The boys and the girls, the youth and the adults, all of us from the Muslim Ummah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assist us.
اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى ال نبينا محمد وبارك وسلم، اللهم احنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك، اللهم احفظنا من كل بلاء الدنيا وعذاب الاخره، اللهم لا مانع لما اعطيت ولا معطي لما منعت ولا راد لما قضيت ولا ينفع ذا الجد منك الجد، اللهم انا نسالك الهدى والتقى والعفاف والغنى، اللهم انا نسالك الصحه والعفه والامان، اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه، وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه، اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا، وكره إلينا الكفر والخسوف والنسيان واجعلنا من الراشدين، اللهم آمنا في أوطاننا وأصلح أئمتنا وولاة أمورنا، واجعل ولايتنا في من خافك واتقاك واتبع رضاك يا رب العالمين. اللهم ادفع عنا الغلا والوباء والربا والزنا والزلازل والمحن وسوء الفتن ما ظهر منها وما بطن، اللهم انا نسالك حبك وحب من يحبك وحب عمل يقربنا الى حبك. اللهم اجعلنا نحب بحبك من يحبك ونعادي بعداوتك من يعاديك، ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قرة اعين، واجعلنا للمتقين اماما، ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم، وتب علينا انك انت التواب الرحيم، صلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين